In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I dive deep into the upcoming James Harden contract talks, going over what the Sixers' priorities should be, what outside factors could influence the negotiations, how much of a threat other teams would be to sign him outright, and what kind of contracts we'd be interested in offering Harden. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing great. Are you doing five years, $270 million great? No, but I don't think James Harden's doing no, that great No, I don't think either. he's doing that great either. So that is going to be the topic of today's podcast. We're going to talk about uh, what the Sixers should do or could do or maybe might do, maybe all combinations of all three, with James Harden's contract over the summer. Uh, so obviously he has a 47 point, what is it? $4 million player option mm-hmm. for next season. The Sixers could then negotiate an extension that would be upwards of an additional four years and $270 million, something in that range, something ungodly absurd, which won't happen after everything that has happened. You assume better not happen. So we're going to take a step back and sort of talk about all the considerations that go into that. Uh, what we think might be wise for them to do, where our heads are at with that. And I'm going to sort of start this off by saying my numbers are still a little bit in flux. I don't want to get into too much of exact numbers. I'll talk some numbers, but I'm still sort of throwing stuff around in my head that will probably come out in a future column. But where our sort of heads are at. So I guess I'll sort of just start this off with a couple of the major considerations for the Sixers. First of all, there's a short-term ability to feel the team around Embiid, Harden, and Maxi, And a part of that is the apron threshold, which is set, I believe, for 155 or projected for $155.7 million next season. Basically what that means, if you want to stay under that, and if you can't stay under that, you get a larger mid-level, like a 10.3 non-taxpayer mid-level versus something in the $6 million range. So you get a bigger mid-level exception you use, you can attract a better free agent. You also get a biannual exception for somewhere in the $4 million range. There's also some sign and trade restrictions, but that's probably not a big uh, consideration for the Sixers because, quite frankly, they don't have any matching salary to use anyway. So signing but, him to a lesser deal gives you more flexibility under that number. They're currently, I think, but they also couldn't go over that number in a trade too. Correct. Like, correct. You, know, Tobi- you, like, you can take Tobias, you a, can't take a lopsided back. trade. You have more flexibility, 100. percent So right now, if you assume they're not going to have Danny Green's 10 million dollar contract on the books. They're about $12 million under that apron threshold. So if you sign Harden to a longer term deal, but it's less money, let's say $40 million, you save $7 million this year, you could theoretically use the bigger mid-level exceptions, build a deeper team. That's one consideration. The other consideration is in the summer of 2024, Tyrese Maxey is going to have a cap hold that's about $18 million less than what his eventual contract will be. So you have a, and that's also the same summer that Tobias Harris's contract comes off the books. You have a chance, depending on what you do with this contract, to have significant cap space two years down the line, depending on what you do with James Harden's contract. One of the other major considerations is that there's a new national TV deal, which could reportedly be up worth up to $75 billion. I believe that reporting comes from our former colleague and CNBC writer Jabari Young. To put that in perspective, the current TV deal, and we all remember what this national TV deal did to the cap back in 2016. 
That was a $24 million deal over the same length of time. You're talking about a difference in, you know, per year revenue from that national TV deal jumping from about $2.6 billion to nearly $8 billion. And again, these aren't finalized. They're still in negotiations. These are just projections from league sources. But that could cause, again, projections, a spike of the salary cap for the 2025-2026 season could go from what are current projections of about $137 million cap to a $171 million cap if they don't smooth it. So the Sixers could have a core. Which they, which they should. They should, last, but the last time Players Association was very strongly against that last time. It led to some pretty disastrous results, both for teams, the Evan Turners, Kent Bazemores of the world. Who was the guy that Lakers? Mozgov. Mozgov. But then uh, also some depressed summers in tw- like 2018 where teams didn't have cap base because they spent it all at once. Yep. And the Warriors were really good for three. Years. Yeah. And the that Warriors the built the best team of all time. So depending on what they do with cap smoothing, there could be a massive jump here in three years in the salary cap, which impacts, I think a lot of stuff from Tyrese Maxey. Could Tyrese Maxey take a qualifying offer? rather than signing a long-term deal in 2024 so he can hit that big payday in the bigger cap. It impacts a lot of other, I think, free agents in 2024 wanting to take short-term deals so they can sign their long-term deals when that bigger cap number is there. Uh, And it also means that if you sign James Harden to a contract, a long-term contract, especially if you can, and we'll get it later, if you can get it where it could de-escalate, that cap number in 2025 or 2026 could be lower because the cap has jumped up. So there's not a, ba- it's not as bad as it looks now. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot at play here. And those are sort of like laying out the sort of major considerations in this that go just beyond like, do you have faith in James Harden? Yeah. And I, I think when you talk about the Sixers offseason, you know, whether they'll trade Harris, what exceptions they'll use, how they'll fill out the bench, you know, those type of things. It all starts with this decision. Yeah. Like this, this is number one, and this has to be completely done before you can proceed and do all the rest of that stuff. So, look, this is the first thing. And like you said, there are two options. I think the, the one thing I would add is that in your projection where they're at like 145 million right now, you know, about 10 million under that apron, that is with Harden opting into the $47 million contract. Yep. And that's, look, I think most of us care. Let, let's start with next year. Like the team, building the team around Embiid, your first consideration that you made. Um, the first thing that I think of is that apron, right? And and if you can get, first off, like you still might be able to wiggle into spending that 10.4, whatever it is, the, the larger yep. mid-level exception, which a lot of teams are not going to have. Uh, a lot of teams like th- there is legitimate like bidding power to be. You can get a real player yep. with that. Uh, with that, you can get a starting level player, somebody who certainly will stick in your rotation. And for this team, that's really important. You might be able to finagle a way to do that with Harden opting into his contract. But if you can get him to knock that down ten million dollars, even. And by the way, like I think a lot of people have used the Chris Paul extension as like the ideal Sixers. The, the, the quote unquote fair one, we'll see if that actually plays out in real life. And the Chris Paul one is 30 million per year. 
if you could knock it down seventeen million dollars, then you can easily spend that uh that bigger mid level exception. The apron's not really even a concern yep. in in uh in that regard. So that's one thing. Um then uh, and I mean I think like you have to look at him opting into this deal, then that takes a little bit of the mystery for the next few years out, right? Because I mean he could opt into his deal and what if he sucks this year? You could just say, all right, see you later, like after this year. Um, so it would be like, there would be a lot more pressure on him this season. Like, I think he would be scrutinized a ton, maybe even more than this year, because the Sixers actually could say, all right, we don't like where this is going at this point. Um, and like, we're just going to move on. And like you said, there, there's cap space down the line, whether there could be some in 23, 24, I think there definitely could be a lot in 24, 25, like you said, when Maxi's cap hold is low, Tobias comes off the books. Um, but I, I do think like the best option for this year's team is for him to sign at a lower salary. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And I think we can talk about how much that would benefit, like how much having the full, the, the biannual is pretty low on the list of concerns, but that mm-hmm. larger mid-level is a, it, it will get you a better player. It'll give you a lot more bargaining power. Comes out a little bit of cost, like you said, with the trade uh, concerns, not being able to take back more money uh, than you can send out. That would hamper your flexibility a little bit down the line, but quite frankly, and really what we're talking about there is a Tobias trade. He is the one contract that you can move that would actually take back more salary in a trade. But it's really it's really that spending power for that larger mid-level, which is important for a team that has no real depth. Uh, it would be great to not have to rely on Matisse Thibel to be a starter next year. That would be something you could do with that, with that bigger mid-level. But it does come at, like, I struggle a little bit on what exactly to prioritize. Because no, I, I think don't know either. When yeah. we start talking about, like, the, 20, the summer of 2025, three years down the line, I think a lot of people say, well, shit, Embiid might be out of his prime by then. I don't know if I really agree with that. Like, Embiid will be 31 in 2025. And I think he's got, look, there's, Two ways this can go. There's a catastrophic injury, which no doubt is a concern. But if that doesn't happen, I think he's still going to be an effective. Will he be an MVP candidate? Maybe not. You know, I think in part because if I'm going to see one aspect of his game trail off, it would probably be on the defensive end because just being a seven to 300 pound guy and moving in space, it's not all that easy to do. And if injuries build up, I think that's where it's going to impact him. But other than that, he could still be a all NBA caliber player. At 31, I could definitely see that. You could definitely be a guy who could be a major, major contributor to a, a foundational piece to a contending team. And also a guy who can attract other quality borderline star level players to come join him in a what could be a pretty unprecedented cap spice spike. I know a lot of people don't want to hear like we should be wor- you know interested in signing free agents again because that didn't work out during the Colangelo regime. It doesn't work out in general. But, lot, but this is very different. In 2016, you were like Joel Embiid hadn't played a game of basketball yet. Like, there's a reason why the, the free agents they were able to sign in 2016 were like Jared Bayless. They didn't have any reason to attract anyone. 2017, after Embiid played 31 games, you had a little more of a draw, and you were able to get JJ Redick. Well, yeah. if you have borderline the, the MVP, cash, yeah, if you have borderline MVP well Embiid like that's a different like you have a better chance of being the Warriors than you do of getting the next Evan Turner and again that, that's a real concern because if you miss out on the stars it's, that summer teams will probably overpay by a lot it's 
it's a great point where you, you have to self-evaluate, like, how long is Embiid going to be this good, right? And, you know, you kind of see it with the Warriors right now, where they they basically tried to win now while also keeping all of these young guys who they think, you know, the Kamingas, the Wisemans, the, uh, the Pools, they think that they're like the bridge to the next great Warriors team. I'm not sure if when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond are way out of their primes, they are going to be that good, but they're they're trying to bridge the gap of both of those. And for the Sixers, they have to consider like, yeah, I mean, you looked at the 24 offseason. You said that already. I mean, I'm just looking at the cap sheet right now. If it's $171 million, they'll have like, they'll have Embiid and Maxi, Jaden Springer. Oh, no, I'm in my, all my calculations, I'm declining that fourth year to get the extra couple of million. Okay. Yeah, fine. But yes, yes, he would be there. That would be $120 million in cap space. Now, the, that's like two max salaries at that point, but. Whatever, like that's a lot of money. So, and that's part of the point. Like, I think a lot of people looked at this and said they mortgage their future for James Harden. Well, no, if you if you do this right, you could both have James Harden for the next couple of years and have a starting point of Maxi and Bead and Max cap space, and form a big three that still has legs to it. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager so i mean do you think there's a shorter term contract i guess to be to be had with hard we we don't want all of those years. We don't want this spread out that yeah. far. So I think, I think if I'm going to deprioritize one thing, it would be the summer of 2024 in large part, because I don't see any real good free agents signing a long-term deal. So I'm punting that. So what does that mean? That means that it opens up Harden for a three-year deal that might be slight overpay in per year money, but you're willing to do that. Now, does that mean a $45 million starting point? Downside of that is it doesn't really like you're throwing away the non-taxpayer mid-level. Like you, you're going to be worried about the apron with that. Yeah. But if you give them like a three-year, you know, hundred and twenty-four million dollars, something in that range, contract, would that be something he would be interested in? And I think a lot of people are going to hear that because then you have you, you're basically punting on having cap space or at least max cap space 
in 2024, which I'm not too concerned with because I think a lot of the free agents aren't going to want to sign long-term, but you will have max cap space in 2025. I think a lot of people hear that and be like, well, James Harden's not signing that. And he might not. But I think when you start looking around at the teams who could offer him a contract this summer, I don't think his bargaining power is quite as strong as a lot of people assume. Like you start looking at the teams, you know, you're talking about the Magic, the Pistons, the Pacers, the Spurs, those kind of teams. First of all, none of them have max cap space. So you're talking, they could probably max them out at like four years, like 130 million, something in that range. Well, if you're getting that 124 million over three years, that's a better contract. But also if you're the Magic, none of them want, want him. Why would, even if they would want him and maybe they would say like, look, he can teach our young players how to win I or don't something know. like that or compete. I don't think but they even, can even do that. <laughs> even if they did, why would they have any confidence that this guy who has just worked his way off of two franchises in the span of a year and a half Can't wouldn't be sitting here guy. in a year going, well, screw this. I don't want to be in Orlando and win 35 games. Like why would any of these teams, maybe the Spurs, yeah. No. Maybe no. the Pacers, but no, I can't. The Spurs? Like, no way. I, I don't look. I don't think there's any real. I think he has, and coming off of the year that he had, the injury concerns that he has, and the fact that he's 32 going on 33, I don't think this is a guy with significant bargaining leverage. And maybe you say, look, here's a three year, $120 million deal, and he goes, screw you. I'm leaving. Maybe he does that just based off of principle and pride and. Ego, oh. I don't know, but I think it might be the best contract he might get. But I would try to keep it a three-year deal, punt on 2024-25 having max space, but have max space in 2025. That would be my goal, while still hmm. keeping some flexibility under the uh, under the apron this year. Interesting. Yeah, I think whatever lets you use that non-taxpayer or yeah, non-tax. Like you, like you said, the, the, the bigger one. I'm going to rename it to this podcast is terrible exception. That's what we're going to call it uh, from now on. But yeah, I, I think if, if you're able to do that and look, I think when you sign this contract, you also have to, I think we have to talk about Tobias being involved in here too. Like if you can swing a trade for Tobias, you know, Harden said at the end of the year, yeah, whatever, whatever they need, like whatever they need to get, um, you know, players around me. Now, look, that doesn't really mean anything. But I think from like the Sixers standpoint, if there is a trade to be had where they can get two players for Tobias, turn Tobias from one into two. Yeah. Um, maybe he takes, a you know, three or four or less million dollars for that and say, hey, like, look, we got two guys who can guard. And, you know, oh, and the other, the other good thing is, too, if there is a trade like that to be had, I think you could go to him and say, they're probably going to be two guys who need their feet cemented into the ground who can, who can shoot threes. Like, and that's it. And be like, Hey, like play a little bit Houston ball with this, with these guys. Yep. Um, yeah. So to me, I, I think that my biggest priority, because again, I think we're assuming that you're waving Danny. And yeah. Unfortunately saying goodbye. Bring him this. back. Maybe if he wants to come back when he's healed. Sure. Yep. Um, my biggest priority is having that non-taxpayer mid-level. That's the, that's the first one. Because I, I think you can get a better player with that. Like, yeah. I think maybe you may be able to, you can split that into two, right? If you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, 100%. Like, they did it there last year. Well, they did it with the taxpayer last year, but they split it into Bassey and Yang. Yep. So, and it's and that's essentially, you know, it's, that's less than the the taxpayer, but you can get two guys with that. So I, I think anything to to increase your depth and, and add players. I, I think as I've kind of looked at them being able to get the non-taxpayer, I'm a little more 
bullish on them being able to get like two or three guys who have a chance to stick in yeah. the rotation. They have a little more financial flexibility, again, depending on what happens with this Harden thing, than maybe I thought coming after the season until like you sit down and look at it and say, all right, they, you know, they'll be able to take some swings on, on some, like some decent players here. Um, but yeah, so, so what you're saying is be able to knock it down so you can use that. You can use that exception, but also keep 2025 open yeah. just in case. Like I said, I think there are three real priorities you have with this contract. There's having flexibility under the apron this year. So you can use a larger exception. There's having cap space in 2024 when Maxi Maxi's cap hold is way less than his eventual contract that he signs is worth. And there's having cap space in 2025 when there could be a giant spike in the cap and you could build a new and renewed big three. If I'm prioritizing those three, or I guess phrase another way, if I'm willing to give up one of those three, because it would be very tough to do with something that would satisfy all three of those goals, I'm giving up 2024. I'm prioritizing having room under the apron this year. I'm prioritizing having a chance to rebuild your big three in 2025, willing to concede that 2024 pursuit. So that might even mean, like I saw, I saw, I think it was Daniel LaRue throughout a five-year 175 potential offer. I'm not willing to go quite that high, but if you give him like a five-year $145 million type thing, start it off at about $35 million, de-escalate from there, you could satisfy two of those three, give him a pretty good guarantee. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing. He might, that, would, he might, that would have to be non-guaranteed. Like I, yeah, but we were talking about a 20, like uh, the number I have in front of me, like the final year would be like $23.8 million. A yeah. mid-level by that point Might, would be would like be 15 million. Yeah. So like it's, it's, it's not what we started off this podcast. It's not as bad as it currently sounds. So yeah, those would sort of like be my priority, priorities. And I might be willing to say like if he's pushes back on like a three-year $120 million, I might be willing to up that a little bit uh, and just completely punt on 2024, 25, and even maybe. <sighs> but See, if, he to me, no, it, if he says no to that, he's crazy. I, I don't think like, he's getting more elsewhere, but I might be willing to budge a little bit on that. But that's sort of where my thinking is. Try to keep it three years, unless you can just get him at five years way under. Um, like I said, five years, $140, 150000000 million de-escalating. So it's a, like a 23 or so cap hit on the final year. I could talk about that because that satisfies a lot of priorities. That gives you $12 million under the apron from his $47 million starting point. That gives you close. It wouldn't give you a max in 2025, but it would give you close to it. Like I could maybe be talked into that, but I, I prefer to do whatever I can and keep this three years. Yeah. Well, it's funny because a lot of people have said four years, 120 would be the offer. If you're not prioritizing that, if you're just trying to look in terms of fairness, you're not, getting, you're not, you're not like, getting max cap space then in 2025. No, unless unless there's like, unless Maxi like, takes a less than max, but I don't necessarily see that happening. Yeah. So, and I'll just be, I will be fascinated to know what Harden accepts because, yeah. I mean, you said three one twenty. To me, that's like that's a no brainer. He didn't play well enough to get that offer no, this year, he, but the Sixers are in a spot where they're, you know, they're balancing these interests and they are trying to win a title. And unfortunately he's kind of their best chance to, to still win a title. Like he's, he's what is available to them after this trade. Yeah. And that's sort of, like I said, when you talk about priorities, he is their best chance currently to win at a high level, but you also got to realize that you're going to have to rebuild this because he's not sticking around long-term. So those are sort of the two priorities that I have. 
um it's not perfect but it's honestly like it's it's almost good though because they're so kind of like like they're far above the cap right now where they're not really playing with cap space this year yeah, like this no. year it's yep. it's it's get to the it's get to the level of the exception and then that's all you have like that's you know yeah it'll be restrictive during the year if you're up by the way being up against the apron when you're a good team and like to make maneuvers during the season, that sucks. Oh, if like you're that, like like right up at it, and you're like, well, I don't know sucks. if we can assign this minimum contract guy. Like, let's go yes. cut someone. Yeah, no, it, it does absolutely. I remember the Warriors did it. Remember when they they did the sign and trade with Durant, and they got back D'Angelo Russell because they wanted they wanted what they they viewed as you know a player that and a contract that is an asset, and it eventually worked out for them. You know, they traded for Wiggins, they got a first round pick, and. You know, credit to Joe Lacob for spending all that money. That first year, now luckily they were the worst team in the league, so it didn't really matter. But they were like, they were moving deck chairs on the Titanic that year. Yeah. It was impossible. They couldn't even, yeah. So it's, uh, and that is one it, thing we've sort of that. like completely ignored is repeater tax and whether or not Josh Harris would pay it. And if he's not willing to pay the repeater tax, like sell the fucking team. Like there's yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about contending for a title and you're like, oh man, I might lose $20 million. Like yeah. I, and I think he will pay the, the, the repeater tax I, for, I the record, too. for the record. Yeah. But like avoiding that would be almost impossible. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to cronky it up, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure in part because I don't really remember everything that we said, but I'm not sure I have too much more than that. You can't give him that five year max. And no. I do wonder what, what they talked about before the trade, but you, can't do it and if he just says you know what i don't like any of these i'm taking my one year 47 mil okay yeah let's, that's that's not that. the worst uh scenario in the world so let's talk about that so so he takes the the 47 million you go into next year and he's an unrestricted free agent it would be surprising if he kind of played his way into another max level yeah, let's say max ish. Even yeah. like like I don't think because I again, even think like if, reminds, if he's awesome this year, it doesn't. I I can't see him getting back to that level. Well, not only that, but like if he's negotiating next summer, that contract he will be thirty four when that contract starts. I yeah. can't. I no. So to me, it's in his best interest to get as much money as he can. I I understand it's look. It's nice that the forty seven number is nice, and it's that sucks a little bit that you got to move off it a little bit, but. I do think he has to be honest with himself and like, look, both sides are taking on some risk in that scenario. But, um, I like, look, there's a scenario where he really sucks again. And the Sixers have a very interesting decision. Um, and by, by really sucks. Like I, I, we're, you know, we're talking about really by sucks. his yeah. standards. I shouldn't um, say that. Yeah, that, that was too harsh. <laughs> the, the playoffs are still stuck in our mind. The sure. game six is still in my mind. And honestly, I, I do get, a little bit annoyed. I did. I did just say really sucks. That does <laughs> does go to show the thoughtfulness on a podcast versus like like writing out a piece. But I I, I do like th- there were things that hard. He really this sucked year. in game six. That's fair. yeah. But in game four, he was awesome, and that was lucky. But in game in like the Toronto series, I, I do think like there are a lot of guys that the Sixers would have traded for. Pretty much all of them. I'm not sure if they get through the Toronto series with those other players yeah. versus Harden just because of his playmaking and, you know, his ability to just run an offense for a half at a super high level. And he still has that. So 
that's part of the reason we're still talking about giving him, uh, you know, yeah. 40 million, 30 million, whatever, a lot, a lot of million dollars, uh, per year. Yeah. The, uh, these, these, well, just talking about big money, like these contracts and that new national TV de- deal era, like if they don't smooth the cap, you could be talking about a $60 million starting point. You could be talking about players signing legitimately like, you know, five years, like $330 million. Like it could be see, absurd. See, that's when it's going to get crazy though, because I, I think as, as the max salaries move higher and higher and higher, there's going to be a middle class of players where it's just like, what do you, what do you pay them? You know, like, what is it? Do you just keep moving everything? Like, there's just so much wiggle room when yeah. you're talking about this much money. And, you know, I like, maybe it's a good thing overall because, you know, the mat, we, we've talked about this before, but like the max salary system, who does it deflate the most? Like whose salary, like LeBron, KD, yep. Yep. those are the guys, if it was, you know, if it was a, you're moving uh, away from that for sure. A hard salary cap. Yeah. But man, I mean, well, because remember back in the day, like a max but salary you used to be t- like $15 million and a mid-level yeah. five. Like, okay, that's a $10 million gap. But if you're talking about a max salary where a player could be making $65 million and a mid-level is 15, like, whew. Yeah. Can you, you imagine what that level, though? Uh, because, again, there aren't enough players that deserve that max salary, like, quote-unquote deserve that max salary. Or they're not, there's not 30 players in the league or 60 players that are equal uh, in talent. Man, that... That version of the Tobias contract in those years is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Yes, it will. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's without getting, we could probably talk a lot more, um, but I feel like that would be better for written content because, quite yeah. frankly, some of these details that we get into the nitty gritty, I really just wanted to focus on the priorities, really, which is the apron this year, cap space when the national TV deal hits and sort of go over all those concerns um, because but, otherwise it can get too much. But it's a good reminder that, you know, when they're talking about this, this negotiation, which is by the way, like there's a reason we did a whole podcast on this. It's fucking huge. It's really <laughs> important. Yep. Um, there are a lot of very serious things that you have to consider. Like there, it's just not, you can't just plan for the present and completely go all in because it would be nice to have a competitive basketball team in 2025 if Joel Embiid yeah. is still awesome, you know? And it, it would be it would be nice like to, you know, I know we talked last pod about uh about his tweets about threatening to leave and, you know, who again, who knows what's going to happen in 2025. Um so you don't sell out all for that, but you you consider it. No, you don't yeah, want to be back your mind. you don't want to be crippled uh at that point and uh and yeah, there are ways Look, none of the options we laid out are perfect. Like you know, um, but you know, you, you do it. You do your best, and you hope uh, you hope everything turns out okay. <laughs> and again, forth. I think some people would be like, "Well, why would he take a pay cut?" Well, look at you brought up Chris Paul, which I think is a, a, a good example. Like Chris Paul was making forty, almost forty-two million dollars last year. By last year, I mean twenty twenty-one when they went to the finals. You know, next year he'll make twenty-eight million dollars. Like mm-hmm. star-level players. Now, look, is is. James Harden, Chris Paul? No, but you. There is a case, especially if James Harden doesn't have the leverage to go out there and get forty-five plus million dollars per year from a team for, on a long-term deal. There is, and again, I think looking at the teams that have cap space, why would they be interested in James Harden? I think it's a very fair question. I don't think he's getting anything close to what a lot of people assumed he would, even just a couple months ago. But certainly not a year and a half ago when he was still playing at an MVP level, uh, like the. 
drop and decline in production and perhaps most importantly, the drop and decline in athleticism and burst at his age. And again, he's going to be 33 entering next season has to be taken into account. Uh, like there's just, there's significant and I think legitimate concern that he will never get back to what he was, which doesn't mean he can't be a good and useful player, but he will not get back to that top 10 level player. And also there is just a realization that the teams out there probably aren't in the life cycle where they would even be interested in him. Yeah, it's it's more than the the drop in his stats or his play because those are still pretty good. Like those are still he still racks up a ton of assists. He can still run showing the early signs of aging. A pretty good offense, but it's it's right. You're right. It's the athleticism, and it's also he probably more than any other player at the age of 32, 33, or whatever. There is a fear factor level with what happens when this guy is not quite as athletic. So it's, um, I'm fascinated to see what, what, what his calculus is on this too. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I think that's all I have on Harden. Was there anything else that happened this past week that, uh, is worth bringing up? My brain's pretty. Oh, Oh, the, uh, the Sixers got their pick. Yep. Oh yeah. (laughs) There are two things. The two things that happened this year or this week, that and, uh, and beat that surgery. Yeah. Yep. So Embiid had surgery on the thumb that he injured, uh, and also was it an index finger? On the other hand, I believe so. So the right left thumb in, and left the left in. index finger. Yeah, the, does not need and did not have surgery um, think, on. By the way, the I've always looked at that face. left. I've always looked at that left index finger. It always does. It always did kind of curve in a in a weird way. So I'm actually not surprised that he needed surgery. Yeah, I don't. I don't know entirely what the surgery was, um, but those were certainly noteworthy. You know the pick in the draft is going to be interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to start scouting it. I still think they could use it as a trade chip. And mm-hmm. if you're confused on that, like the Sixers, owe the Nets now they're unprotected 2023 pick. So they can't trade that pick now before the draft. They could select someone and trade it after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if that is on the table. Cause like we mentioned, there's just not many avenues to get more depth. Uh, and will doc rivers trust another 20 year old rookie in his playoff lineup? Well, I will say if if they do, we'll get into the draft in the next week or so. But they, uh, if they do keep that pick, like I'm thinking the EJ Liddell level, yeah, pick. like get, the the get, get small a grown ball up. center power forward and a grown up too, yeah. like a guy who who might be able to help you right away because I just you know after Jaden Springer, I, I just I'm not as interested in an 18. No, okay. um, I was gonna start getting a scattering report on Liddell, um. No, no, Interesting guy. I'm not sure he's he's improved a lot as, as a shooter. Uh, would like to see a little more high volume, but that's a different podcast. There's a reason we didn't start talking about the draft 35 minutes into a James Harden podcast, but he is certainly a name that I think would be interesting uh, because I agree with you. You need more immediate contributors, but quite frankly, I think there's a chance they trade that. Pick, sure. I was surprised. I think they, they're going to look, they looked to do it last year yeah, they, and they just couldn't yeah. get a player. Now, I, I think that's the other issue with it too. Real quick, is it? You know, picks in the twenties are not what they were. No, twenty three is a little better, but this is a draft where the, it doesn't. Most people say, and I'm I'm not as attuned to the draft as I used to be. Most people will say that this isn't a very deep draft, so it's a it's a concern for sure. Yeah, people have been saying that. You know what though? As much as these drafts bleed together, I kind of wonder is is there ever a good draft? Like like people are just so negative about drafts going into it. Like I I want to hear the first time. I I want somebody to say. This draft is great at the top. There's a couple stars, 
and there's a lot of good contributors later in the draft. I don't think that happens any year. I think at best it's like, ah, there's like one or two stars in this draft, and then it sucks afterwards. That's the highest we get in the pre-draft rankings. Well, not not only that, and I, I agree with you, it's usually either good at the top or deep. You, people don't usually describe it as both. But I remember a lot of times, like, we're just so bad at projecting that anyway. Like, I remember the 2015 Terrible. draft, everyone's like, oh, man, look how deep this is, and they all suck. 2009 was supposed to be a horrible draft. It's like one of the best drafts ever. It's, yep. yeah, it's bad. Yep. Oh, I remember all those times debating Justice Winslow and Stanley Johnson and Trey Lyles, and he became a decent role player. But like Mario Hazonia, like that draft just ended up being a colossal shit fest. Anyway, I remember it's killing good. Boston because they took Terry Rozier. It's a good note. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing for sure. They can say it's a, a not deep draft all they want, but we will only know that in about five years. But anyway, we will have more podcasts to talk about that coming up. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.